0: following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. My name's Jared. Really glad to be here this morning with you. I serve here as our youth pastor and we have a number of people in the room that we want to honor and celebrate and pray for um, as they are going back to school. So we have our youth with us today right here, front and center. What's up, y'all? Good to see you. I know we have a number of people in our church who serve as teachers or administrative staff. And we also have parents in the room. And this is another complex entry into a school year. And so we want to uh, pray over you and celebrate you. If you could just raise your hand, if you are a teacher, administrative staff, parent, or student in the room, real quick, raise your hand. Yeah, lots of us in here. Okay, absolutely. We we love you, wanna pray for you. Let's pray for them together right now. Father, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for uh, every parent, And every student in this room entering yet another complex school year. Lord, I pray that you would give them joy and courage and peace as they trust in you and live each day with you. I pray that parents would seek those moments to speak truth into their kids' lives, remind them of their identity in Christ. I pray for our student body that they would shine the light of Jesus in the ways that they love and serve others. Lord, we pray for our teachers and our administrative staff represented here who serve in so many schools, and we pray for our schools in general. Would you keep them safe? Would you give them joy in the work that you've called them to do? Would you give them wisdom in the complex decisions that they make each and every day and yet even more so in this season that we're going through we pray these things in the name of the father son and holy spirit and god's church said amen amen hey there's another group of people in the room that we want to celebrate as we start we are beginning a two-week series called we serve and uh, i just want you to raise your hand if you currently serve at ibc in any capacity raise your hand if you serve at ibc look around the room see these hands Let's give it up for our volunteers who serve here at IBC. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And for those of you online, uh, thank you for being here with us today. We just want to celebrate those who serve because we're in this series about serving in the body. So full disclosure, at the end of this message, I'm going to ask each and every one of you to consider serving here at IBC. And I might've just lost like a third of the room. You're like, well, I already serve, or this is my only time to get downtime and rest, or I don't have any margin in my life. That's okay. I pray today that as we engage the scriptures and we allow them to transform us, that we would allow it to encourage us to by faith, do what the scriptures tell us to do as the body of Christ. So today we're talking about, we serve the body. Next week, we're talking about, we serve the city. If you wanna turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, That's where we're gonna be together, 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll move through a majority of this chapter. But I wanna talk about how we go to the Bible. When we open it up, what are we doing? Are we going to the Bible to open it up for information? Well, it's helpful to have the right information. I need to know the right things so that I can believe the right things and live the right things. Right belief matters. Do I go to the Bible for information? Yes, but not just for information. We can also open the scriptures and look for application. What am I supposed to do with this? And that's oftentimes what we talk about when we're teaching the scriptures is here's what to do next with what it says, information and application. Those are two ways of when we open the Bible, that's what we open it for. I wanna know the right things and I wanna know the right things to do. However, I wanna encourage us today as we open the Bible to open it for what it's doing to us. As we open the scriptures, we're opening the scriptures to have our, Imagination renewed. Romans 12 talks about it as a renewal of our mind so that we could live transformed lives. What I mean by that is Karl Barth, a Swiss theologian, said that when we open the scriptures, we enter the strange world of the Bible so as to adopt its reality as our reality, to see the world the way God sees the world, to live our lives through the lens of scripture. A great way to start, if you just wanna do so this week, read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and read it on repeat. Jesus there sets up reality as it is, how we should see the world, how he sees the world and how we live in it. So when we open up the scriptures, we wanna open it up for a renewed theological imagination that I can see and think the way the Bible sees and thinks so that I can live as the body of Christ together from the scriptures, knowing the right information, knowing having the right application, but living with a renewed transformed imagination. John Stott said this, we must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency and to overthrow our patterns of thoughts and behavior. So as we open up to 1 Corinthians 12, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to renew our imagination. Lord, would you renew our imagination today, our theological understanding through your word? And Lord, would you help my words come from scripture? Would they be clear, precise, And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you and profitable for us in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 12, if you are new to the Bible or new to this letter, I want to introduce to you Corinth. Corinth was a wild city in a wild time. Its nickname in the Roman Empire was the Lounge of the Empire. Not a great nickname. And here's why, because it was a trade route east to west. And so when you went to Corinth in this wild city, You'd relax, you'd party it up, you'd do the things that you do when you live wild lives. And so Corinth was known for this. And Paul is writing to a church that is planted and positioned right in the middle of this wild city. A city that was known as the entire empire represented In one place, it was the city of cities. It was a very important place. It was known for its political persuasion and priorities. It was known for its materialistic, consumeristic culture. It was known for sexual immorality. It was known for being a wild place. And Paul is writing to this church in Corinth because the church is starting to experience division from the way of the world entering the way of the church, the way of Jesus. Jesus. And so he's writing to this young body of believers um, so as to say, we got to get division out of the church because what unites us in our faith is stronger than what pulls us apart. And so Paul is writing to a culture that's being torn apart by celebrity pastor culture. In chapter one of uh, first Corinthians, he's talking about these people they like listening to. I like to listen to Apollo. So I like to listen to this person. And Paul says, no, 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 no. We are not of that person or this person. Who's a great speaker. We are the people of Jesus Christ. That's who we unite around. That's who we follow. He calls them back, not to celebrity culture, but to Christ culture. Then Paul starts to write about the division that's entering the church um, through uh, infidelity and marriage and idolatry. He starts to write about these dynamics socially that are happening in the church where those who are rich are disparaging those who are poor. He says, this doesn't belong here. These divisions don't belong in this church family and the way of the world and its pull was influencing the way of the world of Jesus being lived out in this church. And so as we enter this text and have our imagination renewed by the scriptures, we need to carry that in context because in chapter 12, he gives the antidote to division. He gives this antidote to the church to say, this is how you stick together. This is how you grow through it as you go through it. In chapter 12, he gives the antidote. In chapter 13, he talks about the the way of love. We read it at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. That whole chapter, you likely know it. But he's talking about the gifts of the church being expressed in loving maturity. If we don't express our gifts in love and service to one another, they don't really have the impact and effect that they could. They don't really matter. He says, if I don't have love, why do the gifts matter? And then in chapter 14, he talks about the gifts yet again. So right here is this conversation to the church. How do you stay united? How do you grow together? We have to serve the body. So first Corinthians 12, four to seven, and then 12 to 14. There are different gifts, kind of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many So Paul here starts out the antidote to division. How do you grow through it as you go through it? He says, the spirit has given gifts to the church for its own good. That there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, different kinds of serving, but the same Lord, different kinds of all of these things being worked out, but the same God who is at work in and through them. Paul here mentions the spirit, Lord and God. This is the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Lord, meaning Jesus, the Lord Christ, and then God, father, God, the father. Why would Paul be positioning the gifts of the church as part of the triune expression? What makes Christianity unique is the God that we worship. We worship the triune God, father, son, and Holy spirit three in one. Paul here is saying the gifts aren't just the spirit doing the spirits thing. No, this is, this is the expression of God in the church. This is the story of of the whole Bible represented in one sentence. What's going on here? Paul is reminding the church at Corinth that that all along what God has been doing is seeking to restore the vocation and the life of image bearers to do what they were made to do all along. Image God in the world. Reflect his character. Do what he does. And so Paul is saying God has given gifts that are from the, the relational unity and diversity of the Trinity. And we as the church represent the unity and the diversity like the Trinity as image bearers. And that we all have gifts and they're different gifts. And the gifts that he gives help us live into the image of God together as his body, as his church. So Paul here is helping us reimagine the church, reimagine the church life together. Notice what he didn't say. Paul didn't say it's the organization of Christ. He didn't say it's the business of Christ, the 501c3 of Christ, the event venue of Christ, the talent show of Christ. What did he call it? He called it the body of Christ. And he introduces this analogy that there's many parts, but one body. In the letter to the Ephesians, he talks about Christ as the head of the church. and that we are his body in the world that we've been given different gifts for different serving different work but it's the same god it gives all of us that ability to image him as the church together paul is encouraging this this church and the truth that the church is given spirit empowered gifts for its own good for its own good so for us today I wanna encourage you that everything we need to have a healthy, vibrant, thriving church is right here in this room. It's inherent in who you are as a follower of Jesus. It's inherent in who we are as the church, that to have a healthy, thriving, vibrant church life together, it's inherent right here in this room because you have a gift that I am in need of. And I have a gift to offer you that we have different gifts with the same working from the same God as we image him together. The church has given spirit-empowered gifts for its own good, to take care of one another, to encourage one another in our faith, to point each other consistently to the truth of the gospel and the person of Jesus and life in the spirit as the church. That's what we're given. That's the the offer of discipleship to Jesus. As we reimagine what we are, we gather as the body, not the business. We gather as the church, not the talent show. And Paul says here, the spirit we've been baptized into forms one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, no matter your ethnicity or your social status, we are one in Jesus Christ. We're the church. And that says something about who we are and our belonging in this place and our relationship to one another. So not only does Paul help us to reimagine church life, Paul helps us to reimagine our individual selves within church life. And then later in the passage, imagining one another and how we relate. So let's, let's get into this conversation that he has. And I want to set it up for you. I didn't do it well in first service, so hopefully it fits here. Paul's gonna talk about feeling inferior or superior. And so um, there's this idea of whenever you're in a social space, you either feel one down or one up. And Paul addresses both of those conversations within the church. And right here, he he takes on one down. I feel one down, I feel inferior. And so let's read what he says as we reimagine our individual selves in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 to 20. Now, if the foot should say But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So common to letter writing in that time, um, the writer would set up a dialogue that you as the reader could kind of listen into, be like, oh, okay, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's saying. And so he sets up this dialogue between a foot and a hand, an ear and an eye. And he says, if the foot was going to say to the hand, I don't do what you do. I just get people from point A to point B. I don't get to do all the creativity with fingers and thumbs and typing and painting and music. And I don't do what hands do. Just a foot. I don't belong to the body. Paul says, well, I see your point. That doesn't make you any less a part of the body. You're here. You belong. You still belong to the body. I was like, well, the ear and the eye. Well, I just, I just hear things. I don't get to see things. I don't see the beauty of God in the world. I just am an ear. Not too attractive. There's no coloration difference. It's just an ear. And so it doesn't make you any less part of the body. So Paul is talking about this sense of inferiority, that the sense that I don't belong here. And some of you might be struggling in your faith. Some of you might not know where you stand with Jesus at all. You're new to even exploring Jesus. And you might feel like, I don't know, my guilt, my sin, my shame, my hurts, my habits, my hangups. I don't know if I belong here. I just want to encourage you. We have a cross hanging in the back to remind us of what this is all about. What's the central shape of the church? It's cross shaped. It's a cross That the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That our belonging is not based on our abilities, talents, gifts, or perfectionism. Our belonging is based on Christ saving us, rescuing us, forgiving us. You, You belong here. You're forgiven and set free from the cosmic powers of sin and death. You've been empowered by the spirit of God. And in this place, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you belong. You belong here. And so Paul talking to this church and addressing inferiority, he says, this thing is God desired. In the words of Kanye, this is a God dream. God has placed the parts in the body. God has every one of them just as he wanted them. And what's sad is that in Western evangelicalism, what has occurred over the last number of years is that we have set up the church to feel like the worship team And the person delivering the message, they got the gifts. That's the real deal. That's what it's about. No, no, no. We need to have a renewed imagination of church life together. The same spirit has given different gifts to be offered in service to one another, to build up the church and glorify God. That it is not about my talent or gift of speaking. This is just a gift God's given me. And I'm offering it to you as a church and say, hey, what are your gifts? Because I need them. I need them. You belong here. I belong here. We're called here together. And everything we need for a healthy, thriving, vibrant church is inherent right here in the room. And if we surrender to the Lord and his, his lordship in our life, his scriptures truth, saying yes in obedience out of love to Jesus. Man, what could God do if the church woke up? It didn't allow division to creep in. But instead, no, I'm going to offer my gifts and service to one another. What we see from this inferiority, this one down feeling, Paul says, no, you belong. And the body needs every part, no matter what your part is, to do its part. The body needs everyone to do what they've been gifted to do. And then Paul addresses in this next section in this chapter, not the one down, but the one up. I feel superior. So let's go there. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27. Paul says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet or the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable. There it is. The parts we think, the parts we see, the parts where we have presuppositions and assumptions are less than us. The renewed imagination of scripture says this, the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So Paul, in the verses just before one down, you're feeling one down from the ideal person in church. And this one is, I feel one up, kind of superior. I don't, I don't need you. I come to church, I sing, I participate in this moment. I sit, we hear, and we go out into our normal lives, which is just fine, but we're missing out on life in the spirit together as the church. Paul says, no, 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 you can't carry an attitude of I don't need you. Instead, we must have a renewed imagination, a transformed mind, transformed heart to see one another as I'm collectively dependent on you. I am dependent upon you and you are dependent upon me. We are interdependent. We are a body, the family of God. I'm personally saying this, Jared Barnett, I need your gifts. I need you because the way that you image God in the world and your journey of faith and your story and your needs and your gifts, God has said, I've given you, Jared, these people for your growth. I need you to help me be more like Jesus. I need your help to grow in my faith, not just individually, but as the body. And you need those sitting across from you, no matter your ethnicity or social status. Paul says, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Collective dependence, special honor to those who are weak. Now, I just wanna wanna press in a little bit and challenge a little bit some things that I hear in church world. When we talk about serving, remember, I'm gonna ask all of you at the end of service to consider serving, right? That's where we're going. When we talk about serving, what comes up in our mind is uh, uh, incompetence. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do kids ministry, I don't know how to do youth ministry. I don't know how to be on the hospitality team. I don't know how to teach the Bible. I don't know how to lead a Bible study table. I don't know how to lead a formation group. I don't know how to do that. Well, guess what? God in his grace, the scriptures say that he's given pastors in the church to help equip the church for the work of ministry. That actually one aspect of my role that I'm learning to grow into more and more though I fail and stumble and weak is I'm here to help you do your thing. I'm here to help you live out the ministry calling, expressing your gifts in service to the church for the common good. That's what I'm here for. As we journey together in this life, as we seek to follow Jesus together. I don't know how to do that. Well, don't worry, we'll help. We're here to help. So many of you, I've, got, I've been here three years now at IBC, and I've met a number of people, and the legacy of serving here and the longevity of those who have served is incredible. But on the flip side of that, that means there's a lot of people who are not yet serving, who are not contributing to this body, or offering their gifts to this body, so as to build up the body of Christ for the glory of God. And that's why to invite you. If you feel like you don't know how to do it, don't worry. None of us do really. <laughs> We're growing. We're growing. And you're invited to serve. Some of you might say, I'm not good with kids. And it takes a special, a special person to do that. I just want to debunk that. It does not take a special person. It takes a follower of Jesus who's willing to say, Lord, use me. Use me. There's a story that I got to hear from Shannon, our director of Araya Special Needs Ministry. And Shannon told me about uh, one of us. I, I don't know the name of this person who went through foundation and at the end of foundation, this discipleship experience that we had, which will look different. And you heard about that today. Um, foundation at the end would offer um, the ability for you to sign up to serve just like today. And this gentleman didn't know where he would serve. And uh, he prayed in the moment. He was talking to table leaders and he went up to Shannon. and He just said, hey, I feel like the spirit is putting on my heart just to serve where I feel least comfortable. Whoa. <laughs> just to serve where he feels least comfortable. What a posture of humility. What a posture of weakness. What a posture of I'm I'm here to contribute in any way needed. How amazing is that? What if you and I just said, just, just put me where I'm least comfortable? Because I, I think where I'm weakest, then I'm strong. Because when I'm depending on the spirit and not the self, God grows me there. Just put me where you need me. Because everything inherent to a healthy, thriving church, everything we need is inherent right here in this room. You have the gifts that I need. I have the gifts that you need. It doesn't take a special person to do any of the ministries that we have at the church. It takes people who say yes. It takes people who not yes to the right information, Not yes to the, hey, here's how to apply God's word to your life, but yes to the renewed theological imagination that we would see the world as Jesus see it and live like Jesus would live in it. That we would offer our gifts to one another in service to each other so as to build up the church and glorify God. God's put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So the church has given spirit-empowered gifts for its own good. We need every part to do its part. And right here, Paul says, the parts that you think are least are indispensable. Those that you think are weak are the ones that you show the most honor. And I would bet that lots of us in our fear, in our our, uh, timidity, uh, would say that, I don't know. I don't know if I can serve in kids or youth because they scare me. I haven't been there in a while. Like, I get it. Y'all are a little scary sometimes. (laughs) But here's the deal. In Jesus' time and in our time, the way that we view kids is still similar. Even though in our um, marketing world, we market youth like it's the the best part of life. um, We're actually destroying our youth, putting so much pressure on our teenagers to make huge life decisions and not just giving them room to breathe and grace to grow. The youth culture of our world needs adults who have followed Christ for a long period of time to be consistent in their life, love them through their growth and be the body of Christ to them. The parts we think are weak. The parts we think we can just look over. Scripture says that's the part that we show special honor to, to help them grow. That the least among us Get the most from us. And the fact that we need a number of volunteers in kids ministry is not a challenging indictment upon us as the church. Like, hey, come on, like raise up church, like be the church. No, it's not, it's not that. It's just right now we have a need as a body. We could open up a second service for more families who want to return in, per- in person, but we can't because we don't have People saying yes to the renewed imagination of church life to say, I have a gift, I can use it. Now your gift might not be teaching. It might be, I don't know, presence. Hey, can I, um, can I offer my gift of, I don't know, I've just been through a lot in my life and I've learned that if someone just sits with you in your pain and listens and then prays for you, that that's actually helpful. Um, I think I have that gift of presence. I just, I just wanna offer it to a teenager who's hurting. Or like um, maybe you've got some skill set from other jobs in your life. Like, hey, um, I'm actually administratively minded and gifted, and and uh, I could help with setup for this event or this ministry moment. And uh, I can help you think through the process of how to do that better. We need you. We need people like you. There's actually this really broad, vague term. There's five um, passages in scripture that list the gifts. And what that tells us is that there are some gifts that are repeated through those lists, but they're actually not exhaustive or complete. That means the spirit gives gifts as he wills, when he wills for the church, which means this one of the gifts in the New Testament is called the gift of serving. How broad is that? There's like a million things that fit into that one word. Do you have the gift of serving? Because the spirit gives gifts to the church for its own good to build it up and glorify God to live his mission in the world. The least of these should be getting the most from us. Yeah. We are gifts to one another. Paul talking about this weak, deserving honor, the least getting the most. He actually lived this out. Out of all the people who could be one up, who could be superior in the early church, it would have been Paul. Paul, the apostle, Paul, the church planter, Paul, the letter writer, the ones that they looked up to or the one that the church looked up to. And Paul positions himself rhetorically in Romans chapter one to, to show that I am not one up or one down. I am with you, mutually with you as the body of Christ. Here's what he says in Romans one, 11 to 12. Paul says to the church in Rome, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Pause there. Paul longs to see the church because I want to be with you so that I can give a gift to you because Paul knows who he is in Christ. He knows that he belongs in the family of God. He's not one up or one down. He is equal because of Jesus. And what Paul knows about himself is that he has a gift to give to make others strong. That's not all he says says this, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul postures himself as a church leader, as like the guy of all guys who could have been superior in the community. He said, hey, I long to see you so I can give you a gift. Actually, that is so that you and I can mutually encourage one another, no matter our ethnicity or social status. The things that seek to divide the church, the pressure in our current cultural moment to divide the church, what unites us is Jesus Christ. What unites us is the way that we inhabit and live into a cross-shaped life. What unites us is that the spirit has given you and me gift or gifts to offer one another in service and in love, to build up the church and to glorify God. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says this, we're getting close to closing. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you don't hear anything else, hear this scripture's renewed imagination of how we live together as Jesus church is that we see each other as gifts and that we offer our gifts to each other in service, to build up the body, to glorify God. And this is all because of Jesus. We love because he loved us first and we serve because he served us first. Jesus said the son of man did not come to be served. He came to serve hmm, how might Jesus go to church? Jesus were among us today in the flesh. Would he come here to be served? Or would he serve? And remember that every invitation, every command of Jesus is an opportunity to experience the way, the truth and the life of Jesus. Personally and together. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.